Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, February 9th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film writers Huai Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right, guys, let's kick things off the only way this episode could possibly begin, and that is with uh, a conversation about Jared Leto's Joker, uh, (laughs) a character who (laughs) appeared in a movie four years ago and is uh, once again going to uh, ruin all of our lives by showing up in Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, probably for like less than five minutes of total screen time. But, uh, you know, this this is how the movie entertainment movie news landscape operates. We're going to have to devote a ridiculous amount of uh, time and energy to uh, writing about this because uh, it's just frankly a weird choice to bring Jared Leto back um, since he did not really appear in the uh, original Justice League movie. But in any case, Zack Snyder has shared a couple of new photos of Jared Leto uh, in full Joker costume. Um, We don't need to get into the whole background of like what the his version of Justice League is and the Snyder Cut and all that. People listening to this probably know by now that the Snyder Cut is going to arrive on HBO Max on March 18th. But I did just want to kick this thing off by asking you guys what you thought about these new photos of 
uh, Jared Leto's Joker. Um, HT, let's start with you. Any any uh, gut reaction to these photos? That they were worse than I could have even imagined. <laughs> In uh, what way? Just how uh, uninspired they are. I mean, it's the Joker. There's only really a couple major looks that you can have of him, but it feels just... I, I'm just not excited by the image, and um, it looks like a. I think well, Chris uh, was the one who who first mentioned this, so I, I can't take credit for this, but it does look like a high school uh, productions versions of Sweeney Todd um, meets like The Crow meets just every other uh, sort of edge edge lord rocker that you've seen. <laughs> so it's just yeah, not a fan. Yeah, I mean, I think the entire. Um design of Jared Leto's Joker from the 2016 Suicide Squad was designed to uh, sort of poke and prod you and and like be provocative in that way because that that sort of had like a little bit of an edgelord vibe too but in a totally different way like he had this this shock of green hair that was very you know electric which is like in keeping with the character but just the entire like stylization of the character looked super um you know he had like gold teeth or I mean the word damaged appeared in a tattoo across his forehead all of that is gone now in this new photo maybe for people who haven't seen it uh, you can click the link in the show notes with the image embedded in there if you want to check this out so you understand what we're talking about Um, but yeah he looks a little bit more like uh, I don't know like the, the Heath Ledger version of the Joker sort of long scraggly hair the the uh lipstick that's like not even close to being put on you know accurately um very much like in in keeping with some of the the more traditional vibes of the character i guess but uh chris what do you make of this uh, i think it rules it's very cool <laughs> uh i'm gonna start dressing like this uh when i go back out no um it's bad uh <laughs> say what you will about the the suicide squad joker design and uh don't get me wrong that was bad too but it I appreciated that it was trying to be different. It was a little too different, maybe, but I appreciated that it was trying to be something different. And this just looks like, like you said, the Heath Ledger Joker and even the, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, where I, I would really like to get past this point. Well, first of all, I would really like to get past this point where there are numerous Jokers in numerous Joker movies. But if there have to be so many Jokers, I would really like to get to a point where the Joker is kind of like dapper again and doesn't look like a, a scary homeless person who smells bad like i mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you know that was that was that, that that felt like unique and novel for the dark knight because you know that was part of the whole realism thing where he's this crazy guy and he smears his face with makeup and so on but you know the snyder verse whatever you want to call it it doesn't exist in that same nolan-esque reality where everything is like super realistic i mean there you know there's there's magic in the snyderverse so uh, you know i don't think the joker needs to look like a you know a a a guy who hasn't had a shower in a long time like you know get it get him some nice clothes get him a haircut you know let's let's go joker to be fair from what i'm seeing of this image he's i think in arkham asylum so he probably hasn't had a shower in a while well, isn't this supposed to be like a dream sequence or something, Ben? You wrote this. Yeah, up. tell us. Yeah, so um, he, uh, uh, Zack Snyder, gave an interview to Vanity Fair, sort of explaining how Jared Leto's Joker fits into this whole thing, and he is going to appear in this movie in the nightmare sequence from Justice League, which was this dream sequence in which Batman and slash Bruce Wayne, uh, I guess, like realized that Earth had been taken over by Darkseid, who is this huge DC villain who's I guess like the the DC equivalent of Thanos and 
that character has invaded Earth and Earth has become, you know, this post-apocalyptic hellhole. And and there's this scene where Batman is in like a, I don't know, like desert gear and fights a bunch of flying aliens. And then he's got a cool trench coat on over yeah. that suit for some reason. And like Superman yells at him or something. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. I, I would have to go back to get the more detail than that. But uh, evidently um, Jared Leto's Joker is going to appear in this dream sequence and like, I don't know, go toe to toe with Batman, maybe not in a fight scene, but in some sort of, uh, discussion scene it seems like because Snyder basically says like he was bummed he thought it was quote uncool that uh, Jared Leto's Joker and Ben Affleck's Batman never really got together and and had you know a, a proper like mono mono kind of face off or, or you know deep philosophical discussion or whatever the hell right and that, I mean that's about. that's fair because we've never seen that in a movie or a comic <laughs> book Batman the Joker they've never had a conversation so yeah I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad Zack Snyder is finally doing it thank you Zack Snyder <laughs> yeah I mean breaker. I think the the Vanity Fair writer asked him like essentially asked him like what happened to this character like why does he look so different from Suicide Squad to now and <laughs> Zack Snyder's response was his quote was uh I would say that there's been some water under the bridge who knows what's happened I don't know if he's wearing makeup I don't know what's happened <laughs> it's hard to say exactly and that's the end of his quote like he's the one who came up with this I don't this know take. what's happening like, Oh, he's a good sign. Um, One of the directors says, I don't know what's happening in my movie. I, I don't know. I, just say, like, it's a different reality or, like, something has happened to him where, like, he, actually, you, you were joking earlier that the damaged tattoo was just, like, a, a sticker or something. Like, come up with some reason. If you're going to be, like, provocative and, like, release these images into the world and people ask, hey, there's some logical questions about how this happened. Uh, maybe have an answer locked and loaded. I don't know. Uh, I guess we've spent enough time on this. So you can check out more information about that in the, the link in the show notes. But uh, let's move on to another uh, superhero-related story, and that is uh, Spider-Man 3. This big, I, I think the the official title is still under lock and key, so we're not sure what this is going to be called. But this is the Sony slash Marvel, uh, the third movie in the Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy. Chris, what is the latest about this film? Uh, first, I just want to add, I really want them to announce a title for this soon because I'm sick of calling it Spider-Man 3 because we all know there's only one Spider-Man 3 and it features jazz dancing and emo Spider-Man and I, I'm, I'm tired of this film taking that title. Uh, moving on from that, <clears throat> uh, we, we, we know that uh, even though it hasn't been officially confirmed, it, it's more or less assumed that this film is going to introduce, or not introduce, but involve the multiverse in, in some respects, because Jamie Foxx is back as Electro from his character in the amazing Spider-Man two. And Alfred Molina is back as Doc Ock from uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man two. And because of their return, there's been lots and lots of speculation that uh, the previous Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield would also be popping up in this movie. And so um, Esquire sat down, with Tom Holland, the current Spider-Man, and asked him, like, point blank, are they in the movie? And he said no. He said, quote, no, they will not be appearing in this film unless they have hidden the most massive piece of information from me, which I think is too big a secret from them to keep from me. But as of yet, no, it'll be a con- continuation of the Spider-Man movies that we've been making. Um, and it's also worth pointing out that he also sort of hedges this comment by saying, 
you know, Tom Holland, he has, he has sort of a, uh, he's sort of notorious for accidentally leaking stuff from the MCU movies. Mm -hmm. And he says like, you know, sometimes they just don't tell him certain things to keep him from leaking them. So, uh, you know, you could take that into account or you could also take into account the idea that Tom Holland is uh, lying here, which is what I think is happening. And when, <laughs> when I say lying, I don't mean, you know, uh, I, I don't mean a ne- it's, these, these are white lies. These are harmless lies. These are yeah, not, it's not malicious. Yeah, he's not being, you know, evil. He's just he's trying to keep things from being spoilery because, you know, it's fair. You know, we shouldn't have to know every single element of a film. And I'd imagine like if Marvel did manage to keep those two cameos secret and no one knew they were going to be in the movie and everyone showed up opening day and saw that it would, it would, it would blow minds, but it's like kind of impossible in this day and age to keep that thing a biggest, as big a secret as you know, it needs to mm-hmm. be. So he's, if he's lying, he's trying his best to, to keep it a secret as my right. guess. HG, what do you think about this? Do you think Tom Holland is trying to um, reshape the narrative to preserve or, or try to like reintroduce this surprise that, seems inevitable or do you think that there's that those rumors were maybe overblown a little bit in the first place no he's for sure lying (laughs) (laughs) or he or yeah or he doesn't know um honestly because he does have that history of of giving away secrets and spoilers so um yeah i i'm pretty positive that andrew garfield and toby mcguire will be appearing in this because we have all those villains that chris mentioned before so yeah a little liar boy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Take that, Tom Holland, oh. you little liar boy. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of uh, multiverses and and uh, Marvel characters, let's talk a little bit about uh, WandaVision. We're not going to go into spoil anything that happened uh, really in, in the most recent episode of the show. There was like a big talking point that we had a big uh, discussion about on last Friday's episode of Slash Home Daily. But HC, there is evidently a WandaVision spinoff that might be kind of in the works. What What's happening there? Well, it's very, very in the sort of ideas phase right now because uh, Stephen Ford, who is a writer and director who kind of put forward the idea of bringing uh, Jimmy Woo in as a as the main character of a spinoff series, uh, his idea went viral on Twitter and he essentially says that he uh, has begun writing a pitch to uh, create a Jimmy Woo X-Files style spin-off series starring Randall Park as the intrepid FBI agent formerly tasked with babysitting Paul Rudd's Scott Lang in Ant-Man the Wasp and now tasked with investigating the Westview anomaly in WandaVision. Uh, so he is uh, currently just, yeah, writing the pitch right now. And uh, he says that he's very much an underdog in the scenario. So don't get too excited, but cross your fingers. And thanks to everyone who made it possible, which suggests that he at least has the ear of someone in Marvel who's willing to listen to his pitch and uh, give it some sort of consideration uh there's no confirmation that this is actually in the works it's just that it's in the pitch uh stages and that maybe we'll we'll see this happen but randall park did say that he would be open to doing an agents of um uh, atlas spinoff with kat dennings darcy uh saying that the camaraderie between their their two characters is real and that he would do a spinoff with the two of them in a heartbeat so you know everything's everyone's just pitching things to marvel now and you and it, sometimes it works uh simu lu who is playing uh shang chi in uh shang chi in the legend of the ten rings uh did will did manifest his role into existence he tweeted about wanting to play a marvel hero many many years ago and now he is so you know weird things have happened 
Yeah, that's a good point. I guess there is some precedent for this. And and Stephen Ford, the person that you mentioned who, you know, sort of like jokingly tweeted about this concept in the beginning, just to be clear, he he does not work for Marvel. He is just like a fan. I mean, he's a filmmaker in his own right. He's made some some shorts and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a, a, a sort of viral short film that was going around, I think it was at the very end of last year, that was like... Uh, sort of a parody of uh, 1917 but it was about the year 2020 and it was about these two guys like leaving their apartment to go get you know toilet paper from the the store and like having to deal with uh you know going through the trenches of the world during you know in the middle of the pandemic and all of that kind of stuff um Stephen Ford I believe was the the writer and director of that short film so you might you might uh, if you saw that film then you're like familiar with his work a little bit. So um, yeah, I'm just looking at his, uh, his Twitter now. And, and 10 hours ago, he says that he 48, 48 hours later, I have finished writing the pitch time to cross some figures. So it seems like this is actually something that, um, yeah, like you mentioned, HD, like uh, it, it may not have been official to start, but at least it sounds like he's about to like go in and, and legitimately pitch this. So um, HD, have you been catching up with uh, WandaVision? What do you what do you think about the idea of uh, a Jimmy Woo centric spinoff show? I have caught up with WandaVision, and while I like Randall Park as the character, I think he's really charming and he has that kind of fun everyman quality to him. I do think that we have had a, a spinoff series featuring a likable guy in a suit before Agents of Shield, um, mm-hmm. and I, I know that Marvel is uh, Marvel Studios is doing as much as it can to distance itself from the Marvel ABC shows, so they can. Uh, can, like they could do this concept again, uh, but I do think Jimmy Woo is kind of a nothing burger of a character outside of Randall Park's charisma. I don't mm-hmm. really know. I just I think it's it's a fine idea. Maybe people will be really into it, um, and maybe be fun like mini series for Marvel for Disney Plus. But um, I'm not particularly interested in it, though. I do like Randall Park a lot. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. I feel like he might be best in small doses instead of uh, having an entire, you know, like bearing the burden of an entire show. Disney does those, those like those short little things for Pixar. I'm surprised they don't do that for Marvel. Now I feel like they didn't, they used to that when the MCU first started, they had those like shorts they added as like Blu-ray special features. Yeah. I think they were called one shots. Yeah. Yeah, And that's how Wilson kind of really took off too. Yeah. I'm surprised they don't like try to bring that back at this point. It's like now they have their own, streaming service like that seems like the perfect thing for this character yeah that makes so much sense i'm i'm shocked that they haven't done that yet um and really taken advantage of the the freedom and creativity they could have to just do like yeah like a five minute story that has like so such small stakes that could you know introduce a ton of easter eggs and get people talking in the same way that they do about you know a brand new episode of one of these full length things um and and it could provide ways to like bridge the gaps between some of their shows and whatever. I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of baffled as to why they have not <laughs> taken full advantage of that idea. But uh, hey, I mean, I'm sure they know what they're doing. So um, all right, let's, let's speaking of uh, uh, Marvel and Disney, uh, Disney has made a, another uh, business decision recently that um, is uh, that has drawn the attention of a lot of Hollywood. Uh, Chris, tell us about uh, Disney's latest decision there uh blue sky studios which was previously set up at fox but came to disney uh, as part of the the fox disney merger is no more um this is an animation house that uh, produced the ice age films uh robots the peanuts movie uh spies in disguise was the most recent one 
Uh, and they were currently working on a new movie called Nimona, which was due out in 2022. But now that movie is is just being uh, shuttered. It's not going to happen because the studio is being officially shut down in April. Um, uh, and the reasoning is just, uh, you know, economics. Uh, you know, well, with uh, the coronavirus affecting Disney, uh, they they claim they can't really afford to operate three feature animation studios. You know they have they have Disney Animation Studios, they have Pixar, uh, they also own Lucasfilm Animation, but they don't make movies anymore. They just do TV stuff. So uh, the the Disney official line is they can't afford to have three animation studios for movies, so they're they're shutting Blue Sky down. Uh, HT, as our resident animation fan, um, what do you think about this? Is this like a, a big loss for the industry or ha- have you been a fan of uh, Blue Sky's stuff previously? I can't say I have. I've liked a couple of their works. Um, I I think that they have had trouble sort of uh, making themselves stand out amidst like the big titans like uh, Disney and DreamWorks and Pixar. So this doesn't totally surprise me, but uh, it does make me a little sad for having some sort of diversity amid like the animation crowd because all these smaller studios are shutting down. Disney owns everything now. So I think that's the big loss here. Uh, I can't say that they have, I think Rio was surprisingly good. I remember liking that quite a bit, even though I think Jesse Eisenberg voicing the the parrot and that was kind of the conceit of it. It was like, oh, Jesse Eisenberg is a parrot. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the loss of diversity among like animation studios in this industry uh, is the biggest loss here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, uh, you know, as Chris mentioned, Blue Sky was behind the Ice Age movies. And I think Disney Plus is uh, is working on an Ice Age show. Um, they've announced that. So um, it's unclear, you know, exactly how many of the Blue Sky folks are going to be uh, I guess, integrated into the larger Disney machine and, and some of those existing um, animation studios and stuff like that. But uh, certainly feel for all the people who are about to lose their jobs, um, you know, as a pandemic is still going on. It's, it's tough out there for a lot of folks. So um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of a bummer, but I'm, I'm right there with you, HJ. Like, you know, I've seen a handful of their movies and it, just like quality wise, I, I don't know if, if they could really compete. Um, so I guess it makes sense from like a macro perspective for disney to to sort of like you know push that one to the side because you've got you know the your real money makers are pixar and, and disney animation studios so um yeah anyway uh okay uh our last news story of the day involves a uh, a massive bidding war for a new for the rights to a new novel that is coming out later this year uh the novel is called falling and it is set on an airplane. I'm going to read you guys the premise here. 140 plus passengers on a crowded flight from New York to LA don't yet know that a half hour before takeoff, their pilots, are, yeah, their pilot's family has been kidnapped. Now, in order for his family to live, the pilot must follow orders and crash their plane. While much of the story takes place in the air, there is also said to be a relentless FBI agent trying to save the family on the ground. So um, TJ Newman is the author here. She actually was a flight attendant and... Uh, I guess wrote this book during like red eye uh, stretches uh, working in that industry. And now she has sold this book and uh, this, this huge bidding war of more than 14 studios, networks, streamers, and top filmmakers 
are vying and jockeying for the screen rights to this thing. So as of right now, there are a couple different offers that are in, but no uh, official deals yet. There's um, a network is trying to turn this into a limited series and another uh, studio is trying to turn it into a movie. Um, so just based on that premise alone, I just wanted to toss this out to you guys and see if you had any ideas or suggestions or, or yeah, like fun, sort of like a little fan casting kind of things for like who might be a good fit uh, as a director for a project like this. Um, Chris, do you have any thoughts? Uh, I don't know if he would do it. My my immediate thought is uh, Yalme Colette Sayera, who's directed um, The Shallows, and he directed the upcoming uh, Jungle Cruise, and he directed... Uh, a bunch of Liam Neeson action movies. And I, I just, he, I love his style. He's, he's very over the top and trashy, but in like an artistic way, if that makes sense. And that sounds like the perfect filmmaker for this. Um, he's already made an airplane movie though. I think it's called like nonstop or something like that or unstoppable. Yep, yep. One, mm-hmm. Which non-stop. one is Yeah. Plus, nonstop. Yeah. So I doubt he'd want to make another airplane movie, but if he did uh, this, this, that, that would be my pick. Cause, cause I, I really, I, I dig his work. Nonstop was an airplane movie. I thought it was a train movie. That's unstoppable. Oh, that's unstoppable. I'm oh, I'm with. sorry. <laughs> unstoppable is is Tony Scott, and that's the train movie. And nonstop oh. is the plane movie. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Ashley, <laughs> um, <laughs> right, do you have any suggestions? Well, my answer is basically Chris's answer. I I'm so, I feel bad. I'm just kind of. Um, hopping on his train but yeah i think that john colette is like the perfect kind of high trash art high trash art action art does that make sense <laughs> action art i like that let's yeah. use that action art is a good one <laughs> all right uh okay so now that we are done with the news stuff there is one mailbag question that i wanted to pose to you guys so adam from indiana wrote in to uh, peter at slashfilm.com and said do any of you engage at all with the IMDb top 250 list? There are surely valid criticisms for lists like this one, but I found it a valuable way to expand my horizons a bit. In particular, there are lots of international films on the list that I might have otherwise never heard of uh, or never sought out rather. Uh, currently there are three films I've yet to see a Turkish film called the bandit time of the gypsies from Yugoslavia and gangs of Wasipur from India. I'm curious to hear if any of you use this list. Thank you. Um, so do you guys use the IMDb top 250 list? Uh, HT, let's start with you. Well, actually, when I embarked on my my journey to becoming a cinephile, that was the first place I looked in terms of just doing a trying to do a crash course uh, of movies that I that were deemed important by the by the public. And I that actually it helped me quite a bit in exploring uh, movies I otherwise otherwise wouldn't have sought out, like this um, person says, uh, like uh adam from adam, indiana adam from indiana <laughs> says so yeah it's great especially if you're trying to expand your horizons um but i haven't looked at it since just because uh, imdb and the um practice of review bombing that has really be- arisen in the past couple of years has kind of left a sort of taste in my mouth so i haven't visited in a while but um it did help me a lot when i was just trying to um uh, you know starting out as a, a little little cinephile <laughs> chris what about you uh, I don't want to No, The answer is no. Um, no offense to people who use it, but it's too easy to game that system. It's the same reason I don't check the Rotten Tomatoes audience score. And it's not because I'm like snooty and like, haha, I'm above the audience. It's that, like I said, it's too easy to, to game it. I remember for the longest time, I don't know if it was number one, but like 
the Dark Knight was in like the top 10. And I love the Dark Knight. It's a great movie. It is not one of the 10 best movies ever made. So I feel like a lot of times people, certain fandoms will, will jump on there and, 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 uh, I keep using this term because I can think of a better one, but they keep trying to game the system and like juice the numbers yeah, or something. <laughs> they're cooking the books, if you yeah. will. So I, I don't really, I tend to avoid it, but you know, no, no judgment on my end if you want to look at it. Cause I'm sure there are notable exceptions on there, but yeah. Yeah. I, I can't say that I have really. Um, but I, I mean, after reading this email, I have to say like, I have never heard of those three films that he mentioned. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I think I should probably, at least look at it um, just to sort of, yeah, expand my, my uh, purview in the international realm, if for no other reason, I guess this, this sort of opens up and, and leads into like a little bit of a wider question, which is like, how do you guys, um, you know, I'm sure like letterboxed might be an answer, but how do you guys keep track of, um, of like things that you want to see, like recommendations and um, things that you'd like know that you need to see, but uh, just haven't gotten around to yet. Do you keep like a master list anywhere or like when something comes across your, um, your transom or whatever your, your threshold, do you, how do you, uh, how do you like flag that for, um, you know, to remind yourself that that's something you need to watch later on HC, what's your process like there? Keep it all in my head. <laughs> <laughs> really? Do you remember all of it? No, but it's like <laughs> I I I don't usually make uh, an actual list that I can check unless I'm doing I'm like preparing for some top ten list or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I was using Letterbox for a little bit, but then I kind of fell off, and now I just write things in my bullet journal. So I guess it's either like written down in my bullet journal or just in my head, and often I forget about things. But yeah, it's I try not to make it like a ch- I'll check a checklist to check off um, because that makes it feel like a chore. Um, Mm -hmm. If it, if I just stumble upon it, like I did um, with the red shoes, which is a movie I'd been longing to see for a long time. And I had many people that told me I would like it. And I just kind of had a night where I was like, Oh yeah, red shoes is on HBO max. Let me watch it. And I loved it. So that's the kind of thing that I, that's the kind of way I like to check off movies off my to watch list. I guess you would say Mm -hmm. a little bit more organic. It Mm -hmm. sounds like, um, Chris, what about you? Do you do that, or, or how do you do that, rather? Uh, I, I I don't really have a system. Um, if if stuff is streaming, I'll just you know add it to my whatever queue I have for the streaming service uh, that it's on. Um, otherwise, I have I usually like the the iPhone Notes app. I'll like jot down like watch this at some point. I'll have like a list of things I want to get around to watching at some point. But I don't have like a I know you can do stuff on Letterbox to, for stuff you want to watch, but I prefer to use Letterbox as stuff I have watched. If that makes sense, I don't want to like I want to cross the streams to yeah. quote Ghostbusters. So yeah, that's that's how I approach it. Yeah, that's how I do it too. Is is a combination of the Notes app and just like adding a ton of stuff to all the queues of the streaming the streaming services that I subscribe to. Um, HD, I feel like we we may have broached this subject with you before. What what is your um? Do you have like a stance or some sort of like weird approach to uh, queues in streaming services? I, I feel like I remember you talking about this. Am I mixing this up? I I mean I do have kind of a weird stance. I guess you would say is that I don't like them. Okay. And that All right. Like I knew it was hov- something. It's hovering over me, and it's like a, a big thing, big signal that is guilting me into watching it. And I'm like, I don't have time to watch this, or I'll watch it when I'm in the mood for it, and then I just end up never watching it. It just like clutters up 
my mind. So I, I think that's the, that's probably the thing I've talked about yeah. in the past, but yeah. Yeah. So, so your cues for Netflix and whatever HBO max are just like completely empty and you just are, you're just rolling the dice every time you fire up those services. Yeah, basically. I mean, they're actually not empty. They, they contain movies that I added like five years ago and I never got around to. So that is basically a, a glimpse into my own. Okay, so you, they watch. still exist, you, but you just continually them. Uh, resent them every time that you see them, right? Yeah, basically. Okay, so, I'm, a, so, I'm kind of a mess. I'm kind of a mess when it comes to like <laughs> movies that I should watch. So no, no interest in just going through and like erasing all of the uh, things from your queue, deleting all the things from your queue. Okay, all right. <laughs> just, I'm just looking out, HD, just trying Thanks. to help. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's uh, Slash Film Daily. Thank you to Adam from Indiana for sending in that mailbag uh, question. If you guys have any uh, mailbag questions or, or topics or uh, anything like that that you'd like us to discuss, you can send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at uh, peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. You can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as uh, deeper dives into the great features that you can find on the site. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.